resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. Communication is down all over the country. Everybody was just rushing after the process. I'm just holding on for dear life here. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. The warnings were going up. The extent to which people took heed of the warnings is another question. Very much a wake-up call. People were prepared and that's why we've got less lives lost than we could have had. People need to know what to do and it's not difficult. We provide the right information to people and they can act accordingly. Pacific Kissing Was. Pacific Pacific Ufala must prepare. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared, where the Pacific comes together to share information that can save lives, save loved ones, and save livelihoods. I'm Aaron Carney. Coming up in this episode, we revisit some of the most important conversations we've had and messages we've shared here on Pacific Prepared. The grand plan for a Pacific-led approach to disaster resilience, what has been learned from a lifetime living through disasters in Samoa and Tonga's nationwide plan to fill the food bowl. Disasters may be inevitable, but the loss of your life, your family, your home, your land or your village are not. So, let's prepare. Ten minutes after the earthquake, we had a loud bang and then just saw the sea rising up. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Pacific prepared. Imagine for a moment you had all the money you needed to prepare for a disaster. What would you do? Build a community center that could act as an evacuation shelter during a cyclone? Create a new waterway to keep floods from coming near homes? Even if you have a great idea... Where do you even start to apply for funding? Who do you ask? What paperwork is involved? The desire to be better prepared for disasters and the barriers to making that happen faced by communities have long been recognised. But there's now a new plan to fund such projects by the Pacific, for the Pacific, without going into crippling debt. We thought we'd once again share Pacific Prepared correspondent Bernadette Carrion's story on the development of the Pacific Resilience Facility, or PRF, and its efforts to get backing to become a simple, local choice for Pacific communities needing help to better prepare for disasters. Pacific Island nations are raising 1.5 billion US dollars for a homegrown fund so that communities can retrofit schools, community centers, and other infrastructures in readiness for climate change. Forum senior economist Denton Rarawa, who is the former governor of the Central Bank of the Solomon Islands, says the Pacific Resilience Facility or PRF, is a Pacific Island solution to the impacts of climate change. So with disaster happening more often, more intense and severe, with a view not to increase debt burdens on our small Pacific Island economies, the Pacific Resilience Facility is the solution for our challenges relating to climate change and disasters. It is a unique and forward-looking option that invests upfront in low quantum community-based projects which have a high impact of building resilience in our vulnerable communities. And the purpose of the, the PRF is to provide predictable and accessible accounting 
funding for disaster preparedness and climate risk resilience building in the Pacific. But some of the examples of what PRF will fund when it's operational, multi-purpose community hosts, this can be used as evacuation centers during disasters, also disaster warning systems, infrastructure like jetties, water and energy infrastructure. Outgoing Pacific Islands Forum Secretary General Dame Meg Taylor states the PRF is important to the future of the Pacific people. Pacific people have to start thinking creatively, innovatively, and find ways of creating institutions to look after themselves rather than always depending on multilateral institutions, donor partners. And it's really interesting in setting this up how some countries have not been supportive of it and others can see that there's merit in this. If we can get this off the ground, and it's, it's going to take time. It's not going to be easy, but it's really important that people in the Pacific and the leaders stick together and do this. Then we look at other institutions and we start taking control of, of our own domain, our, our ocean domain. Although there are billions of dollars of climate change funding available, many Pacific countries have to go through a very complex and difficult process to access such funds. And Ms. Taylor says that's why it's important for Pacific Island nation leaders to stick together and see this initiative through. This is very important to me because... It means it's, one of, it's the first time I think the Pacific has really struck out to say there are, we've got to start taking control of the institutions that are important for our own survival here in the Pacific region. And if we get support, we will be very pleased. If we don't get support, we will be disappointed, but we're not going to give up because I think this is the beginning of a long journey. The tiny island of Tuvalu is on the front line of climate change. The Prime Minister, Kaseo Natano, is the chair of the Pacific Island Forum, and he has welcomed the PRF and says it will help to build resilience and will prepare communities across the Pacific. We are now more at risk than any other region in the world. Five major cyclones have swept through the Pacific since 2015, causing losses of up to two-thirds of our GDP. In a matter of hours, one disaster wipes out a generation of development gains. Vulnerable communities, particularly women and girls, are most affected. We are now also facing a health and economic crisis from COVID-19. This pandemic has exacerbated our existing vulnerabilities. We have had enough. We want to be proactive and prepared not just react when disasters occur. It is more cost-effective to prepare for disasters and build our resilience up front than to spend major resources building after disasters have struck. It is hoped the PRF will be established by October this year with an international pledging event. The aim is that no country will be left in debt. So if successful, this could mean that your school, your local roads, your community hall could be improved and retrofitted so that your community is ready for climate change. We continue to follow closely the development of the PRF and if projects get off the ground, we'll take a look at how they are helping to get the Pacific prepared.
That report by Bernadette Carrion. It was a terrifying night. Everything was shaking and getting pounded by debris. We had to make sure that they have a safe shelter and drinking water. Helping you stay safe, Pacific prepared. When preparing for disaster, we often turn to our elders for guidance. No two disasters are exactly alike, and each year is different. But memories of past events provide valuable information to younger Pacific Islanders. In Samoa, 30 years have passed since severe tropical cyclone Ulfa devastated many areas of Polynesia. But the memories remain strong for those who lived through it. Pacific Prepared Samoa correspondent and National Radio 2AP reporter Maui Liutumose set out to discover what yesterday can teach us about tomorrow. From the 1st to the 4th of February in 1990, Cyclone Ofa hit Samoa and the entire country was affected. Electricity and telecommunication cut off, water supply interrupted in most areas and some portions of roads completely washed away. People have experienced the worst tropical cyclones in the past years. A 79-year-old grandmother from the village of Solosolo on the east side of the island of Upolu, Maeu Timusiaki, a mother of nine at the time, still remembered what happened during Cyclone Ofa. Maeu was asked about her memories of the cyclones in the past, and this is her story. <laughs> Maeo has considered Ofa to be one of the worst tropical cyclones affected Samoa in 1990. She explained what she and her family as well as other families have been through during Ofa. She was living with her husband and nine children with her mother-in-law in an open house close to the sea. She recalled that when Cyclone Ofa attacked, tarpaulins of her house were torn down by very strong winds and the rain came straight into the house. The fallen trees, rubbish, roof tins from houses destroyed by Ofa were all over the place and their house was not safe anymore to accommodate them. Everything was wet and devastated. Her mother-in-law told her and her husband to find somewhere safe immediately for them, especially the children. Maeo went with her family and stayed with one of the families in the village. However, other families stayed in the church, while others stayed in the school building because their houses were all damaged by Ufa. The next morning after the cyclone, Maeo and other members of the village walked all the way from Solosolo to villages nearby to catch the bus to town to fetch food for their families. No more vehicles to transport people from other parts of the island. Some portions of the road were washed away. She remembered the time when they reached the main bridge at the entrance of the village. 
she was shocked to see the road completely destroyed, leaving only debris and stones behind. People continued to walk and tried to get to the other side of the road and keep walking until they arrived at Lauli'i village, six kilometers from Solosolo. At Lauli'i, they took the bus to Apia, the main town. When they returned from Apia, they had to take the same route and walked back home with their shoppings. <laughs> Asking Maeu about her preparations for cyclones, she replied, According to Maeu, we need to stop growing big trees like coconut trees, pomuli and others near our houses because it is not safe when a strong cyclone strike. She also told that she was almost got into an accident when a tree fell along the way while she and her granddaughter tried to cross the road to a family opposite their home for safety during a recent cyclone that hit Samoa. She added that we need to secure our homes to ensure that the roof of the house is strong enough, nail them to make sure teens are held firmly and secured. And most importantly, we need to get clean containers so that we can keep clean and safe water for drinking and cooking. We also need to store food that we can easily use during natural disasters. Lastly, Maeu said a garrison cook stove must be in place. Finally, Maeu replied when asked about what worries her most about the cyclone. She said that her concern and priority is for the safety of her grandchildren. She added that we must protect our children by making sure that they are safe and secure. Keep them at home, away from the rivers, away from the sea, and also from flooding areas. Her also concern is that we must have clean containers in place so that we can keep safe drinking water during cyclones. Maeu has also recommended to use big ropes to hold the tops of our houses to ensure our houses are more secured. As we see nowadays, the cyclones are much stronger than the previous ones. <laughs> Maeu and her family lived in the lower land of Solosolo village when Cyclone Ofa in 1990 hit Samoa. However, her family relocated to the upper land after the cyclone where they are still living right now. Pacific Prepared Samoa correspondent and National Radio 2AP reporter Maui Liutu Mose 
remembering the severe tropical cyclone Alpha and drawing wisdom about what it can teach us for the future. Helping you stay safe. Pacific Prepared. When a disaster strikes or is imminent, misinformation can spread quickly and dangerously. In order to be prepared, it is important to be informed. Tsunamis, a major threat across the Pacific, and have claimed thousands of lives over the last 25 years. On July 17, 1998, a Papua New Guinea tsunami killed approximately 2,200 people. A 7.1 magnitude earthquake 24 kilometer offshore was followed within 11 minutes by a tsunami about 15 meters or 45 feet tall. The tsunami was generated by an undersea landslide which was triggered by the earthquake. The villages of Arop and Warapu were destroyed. On April 2nd, 2007, a magnitude 8.1 earthquake struck about 40 kilometers south of Kiso Island in the western Solomon Islands at 7.39 a.m., resulting in a tsunami that was about 12 meters or 36 feet high. The wave triggered tsunami warnings and watches extending from Japan to New Zealand, Hawaii and Eastern Australia. 52 people were killed and dozens were injured when waves inundated towns. Officials estimate that the tsunami displaced more than 5,000 residents throughout the archipelago. A submarine earthquake took place in the Samoan Islands region at 6.48 a.m. on 29 September 2009 and a subsequent tsunami caused substantial damage and loss of life in Samoa, American Samoa and Tonga. Tsunamis can strike at any time but being prepared can reduce the damage they do. So let's learn more about tsunamis and how we can be prepared for the next one. Firstly, what is a tsunami? A tsunami is a series of water waves caused by a major disturbance of the seafloor. The disturbance can be a strong earthquake, an underwater landslide, or an underwater volcanic eruption. How do I know a tsunami is coming? There is no perfect way of knowing a tsunami is about to strike, but you should watch for these warning signs. A very strong earthquake, a sudden change in sea level, a roaring noise from the sea. What should I do if I notice a warning sign? Do not wait for an official tsunami warning. Act immediately. Quickly move to higher ground further inland at least 500 meters or 1,500 feet from the shoreline. Be prepared to assist others. Be prepared to stay away from the coast for a while. We will have more information about preparing for tsunamis in coming episodes. This warning information has been sourced from the Papua New Guinea National Disaster Center. More information is available on their official website. Each Pacific nation has its own emergency procedures. In most cases, this can be accessed from your local National Emergency Management Office. Be informed. Be prepared. Be 
That is Heather Meraki, Senior Journalist at Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, helping us to understand tsunami. Be informed. Be ready. Pacific prepared. In the 36 inhabited islands of the Polynesian nation of Tonga, agriculture, forestry and fishing provide the majority of employment, foreign exchange earnings and food. And rural Tongans rely on both plantation and subsistence agriculture for survival. That became especially obvious when a series of natural disasters in recent years devastated crops, leaving the population highly vulnerable. But as Pacific Prepared correspondent Anasiu Falakono reports, Tonga has responded to the threat, not only with a coordinated national plan, but a grassroots effort to get every Tongan, even those in the capital, growing vegetables, so that when the next disaster strikes, Tonga's food bowl will be full. The interview you're about to hear again with the acting CEO of the Ministry of Agriculture was conducted in Tongan, so this is an English translation. As the second most vulnerable country in the Pacific to the impacts of climate change, one of the government's main objective now is to ensure food security despite the challenges. In the Friendly Islands, currently there are more agricultural produce available in the markets and even beside the roads as people prepared well for the impacts from natural disasters. Fortunately for Tonga, during this cyclone season, the country was not directly hit by any tropical cyclone. But in previous years, such as 2018, a tropical cyclone Gita made landfall, and last year, tropical cyclone Tino and Harold impacting people's lives and their properties. A severe impact recorded was on the agriculture sector, and since then, growers worked tirelessly to ensure food security and minimal damage on their plantation. The acting CEO of Agriculture, Mana Iahalafihi, says growers initiated mixed cropping to avoid severe impacts from natural disasters such as tropical cyclones, flooding, and prolonged drought season. I strongly believe that the past cyclones from the previous years, such as Tropical Cyclone Gita, Harold, and also Tino, taught the people a great lesson to learn from, especially when we talk about food security. Growers were seeking ways to ensure agricultural produce could withstand the impacts of natural disaster and growers and such, they turned to mixed cropping and intercropping to ensure food security in Tonga. As we all know, with the global pandemic since March last year, the government assisted the local growers and the public on various agricultural projects in preparation for any major impacts from the global pandemic that could hinder Tonga's food security. The project includes helping families and the communities. With such huge preparation, the people are reaping the benefits, such as more crops and vegetables available, especially now, with cassava resulting in more exports to overseas markets. These have been successful because people were very supportive and keen to cooperate due to the uncertainty of the global pandemic and Tonga's vulnerability to impacts of natural disasters. He adds, last year with the global pandemic, people were very supportive on their agricultural projects and even people from the urban areas were active with the vegetable garden projects. The projects are to ensure food security to prepare the nation for any impacts from the global pandemic. The acting CEO says the past experiences have taught the people and reminded them the significance of preparedness 
and the need to be resilient to the impacts of climate change, as Tonga is highly vulnerable to its impacts. This has been a great year as we're at the end of the cyclone season and we are thankful that no tropical cyclone or natural disaster has hit Tonga and as such there were just minor impacts recorded on the agricultural sector. But the truth is this year has been a productive year and it's evident in the markets especially the main Talamahu market where there are so many produce and crops and even on the roadsides people are selling their agricultural produce and such we are looking forward for better results from growers to ensure food security in Tonga. As the acting CEO of Agriculture says, people, especially growers, are more active now with the individual projects such as vegetable gardens since last year to date as part of their preparation for any impact that could happen. In the past, people in the urban area did not usually have vegetable gardens, but now more residents are taking part on similar projects. Preparedness is key to Tonga, and as the director of Tonga Meteorological Services says, a natural disaster could happen anytime. While another six months before November, Tonga Meteorological Services is urging the public to prepare their long-term plans for resilience. A fantastic example there of the Pacific getting prepared. Tonga Broadcasting Commission's Anasiu Falakono speaking with the acting CEO of the Ministry of Agriculture, Manaia Halafihi, about Tonga's efforts to ensure food security through droughts and flooding rains. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, MBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Wanomo Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP and TBC Tonga. Is your organisation working in disaster preparedness or resilience? Keep us informed so we can keep everyone informed. Do you have a story idea, an experience to share, a topic you'd like covered? Contact us anytime via email pacificprepared at your.abc.net.au. That is pacificprepared at your.abc.net.au. If you have access to the internet, there are a wealth of resources that can help you learn about disasters and prepare for them. The emergency and disaster management offices in most Pacific nations have websites with valuable information and many outline local plans and procedures, often in your local language. For an Australian perspective, head to abc.net.au forward slash emergency or type ABC Emergency into a search engine, you'll find information about what to do after a disaster. Of course, be aware that your local circumstances will almost certainly be different. You can stream all episodes of Pacific Prepared and some special breakout stories on the internet. Head to abc.net.au forward slash radio dash Australia 
or just type Pacific Prepared into a search engine, we'll be the first thing that comes up. Consider starting a conversation with your family, your community, your co-workers, and think seriously about creating a go bag. We want to help you make the next disaster less disastrous. Thank you to our guests, correspondents and contributors, government and non-government agencies who provided emergency and disaster information and support. And thank you for listening. My name is Aaron Carney. We'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, please stay safe, share what you've learned here, and together we will help get the Pacific prepared.